This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are speaking about covenant theology because we have an upcoming conference on September 22nd and 23rd. Please go to ReformationBoise.com and and find out information, and uh, we would encourage you to also register if you're planning on coming. It's free, and there's wonderful time of fellowship and worship and learning and opportunity to get books at a very discounted rate. There's an opportunity to just worship together as believers in the Treasure Valley. And we are been talking beginning yesterday about covenant theology because that's the theme. And we want to kind of give a little enticement to say, okay, what what is this about and why should I go? And we were talking about just some people yesterday that have kind of put forward this idea that covenant theology is so foundational, so important at the very essence of the, the core of biblical teaching. And to be honest, we were quoting a lot of Reformed people. But it's not just the Reformed that think that. Um, Charles Spurgeon um, was a Baptist, and he says this, The doctrine of the divine covenant lies at the root of all true theology. It has been said that he who well understands the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace is a master of divinity. I am persuaded that most of the mistakes which men make concerning the doctrines of Scripture are based upon fundamental errors regarding the covenant of law and of grace. So it's not just a reform thing. We think it's actually a biblical thing. Did that Baptist say root or root? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a Midwesterner. Sorry. <laughs> and I think Spurgeon was from the rural areas yeah. of, of London, but I can't prove that. I'm a Midwesterner, too, and I say root. Root? Root. Yeah, root. But you weren't from southwest Iowa. Oh, no, I wasn't. No, no, no. No. You would if you were from southwest Iowa. Today we want to um, actually define the topic. We spent an entire day yesterday going talking about covenant theology without defining covenant. Part of that is we wanted to lay the foundation of why we want to talk about this topic. But part of it is is that it's kind of hard to define. Well, it doesn't really... It doesn't make for bumper stickers, really. But I will say that the title of our conference, God to Us or God to Me, ought to resonate within you something about this idea of covenant. Mm -hmm. There's a a phrase that's used in Scripture that I think summarizes this idea of covenant well, is that I will be God to them and they will be my people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reason why we struggle sometimes to just just have one definition that captures covenant theology is because there's a richness to covenant theology or the, the concept of covenant that isn't easy to just 
boiled down to a catchy little phrase. O. Palmer Robertson, um, who wrote a book entitled The Christ of the Covenants, kind of compared it to trying to define mother. That the word mother really is so diverse that it's really hard to capture, well, exactly what does that that mean? Because it can carry certain differences yeah. of nuance. He would say, a mother may be defined as the person who brought you into the world. That definition is correct formally, but who would be satisfied with that definition mm-hmm. uh, because of the richness of the very understanding of what it means to be a mother? Uh, he wrote that before they were birthing parents, but um, <laughs> that was. But this is the richness of it. A single definition for a covenant is is hard to come up with, but it is a connection between God and His people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. That was mm-hmm. that's that's the essence of the relationship God has with us. Mm-hmm. And part of it is that the the word covenant is used in different ways in Scripture. If you listened yesterday, Ryan was talking about a, a covenant that the nation of Israel made with the Gibeonites. That's a that's a covenant, but that's different, at least in some ways, than the covenant that God has made within the the Godhead and with his his people, and and so there are different uses of the word covenant that make it difficult to have just. A, a pithy little definition that captures the the full orb of of what it means. We're going to try, however, and it's not. And this is something that is uh, throughout Scripture. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, that word covenant is used some maybe close to or over three hundred times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. So this is not something that four guys around. Uh, radio mics are coming up with. This is something that we're learning and gathering from God's holy word. And I think it's just important to note not only what Jonathan said about its usage in the Old Testament, but it's also a New Testament word as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not just an Old Testament usage. It it definitely comes into the New Testament. Which makes the Old Testament our mail. As, you know, I yeah. mean, God has revealed himself through covenant this is a, this is something we don't just read the Old Testament. This is why we don't just read the Old Testament as something for Israel, but it is is part of the progressive revelation of God, of the unfolding of His purpose and plan for a people for Himself. And uh, this is this is why we see it in the Old and New. It's interesting that when we talk about what Ryan talked about yesterday with the the use of the word, "This is the new covenant poured out for you in my blood." That's kind of an odd phraseology if you don't really embrace this idea of covenant. Mm-hmm. Like, why, do, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus throw in the word covenant at that point if it didn't matter? Couldn't he just say that this cup represents my blood that's going to be poured out for you? But for Jesus at that moment, as he's approaching the very end of his, his earthly life, is, is talking about covenant. Um, which should, at least in some part, say, oh, there's something here that maybe I need to pay attention to, because that I need to think about. Because they, they'd gathered as an act of covenant mm-hmm. to celebrate the Passover, yep. the remembrance of God to them as a people delivering them from bondage. And now he's saying, 
No, there. This has all been pointing to me. This is the this is the new covenant in my blood. It's not the Passover lamb. I I am the lamb here. Mm-hmm. You know, you read that whole the whole thing about the upper room there on the night he was betrayed as they're coming together to celebrate Passover. There's no mention of the lamb because Jesus is the lamb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a when he says that it, it should trigger in our minds like what because it's has it's a word with such history and baggage behind it that it should drive us to if we don't already to investigate look through the old testament what does this mean like what is he talking about a covenant Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give definitions, and at the same time, plug books that are going to be available at the conference. So this is a two-for-one offer. Um, the first is we're going to go way back in time. One of the original people that wrote extensively about covenant was a man by the name of Herman Witsius. He wrote a book entitled The Economy of the Covenants. We ha- will have that um, two-volume set for sale, but we also have a small little book titled An Analysis of Herman Witsius, The Economy of the Covenant. So you can read the two-volume, couple-thousand-page work by Witsius, or you can you, you, Or you the, can get the cliff notes. The cliff <laughs> yes. notes, which are Well, you talked pages. about uh, deep ends and wading in the shallows, yes, and yes. I think it, it shows you that uh, Herman is probably in the deep end. Yes, he, he, he needs a study guide. Yes. Whichever one you buy, no judgment. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he writes, covenant, in a proper sense, signifies a mutual agreement between parties with respect to something. So that's the formal, just broad definition. And then he says, it's an agreement between God and man about the method of obtaining ultimate blessedness with the addition of a threat of eternal destruction against anyone contemptuous of this blessedness. So I'm going to read several definitions, and then I want you guys just to talk about key phrases that you've heard in in various ones. O. Palmer Robertson, which I would guess, at least in our lifetime, has been one of the more influential people on covenant I'm looking to Jonathan. He's the more seasoned among us. Is that an accurate statement to say? Well, you know, around the table here, um, we've replaced Josh Bales uh, on radio, but he tells me that in reading O. Palmer Robinson's book, that opened up his mind regarding this whole idea of covenant. That's when he became uh, covenantal in his thought and preaching. And what I found in many of the books that I'm going to endorse is that's what people are saying in the introduction or the foreword or that, that they dedicate their book to O. Palmer Robertson because of his influence on, on this area. And he gives this little um, very pithy short definition that a covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. Another book that we have at the conference is by Sarah Ivel. Um, she wrote a book called The Covenant of Life, and her definition actually plays off a little bit of O. Palmer Robertson. She says, God's sovereign initiation to have a binding relationship with his people, grounded in his grace and promises, and secured by his own blood. And the last one is by John T. Rhodes. Um, he wrote a book entitled Covenants Made Simple, so this is that shallow end, if you're looking well, for an intro. one of my favorite books, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and he writes, a covenant is a conditional promise. And then he expands that by saying, a covenant is an agreement between God and human beings where God promises blessings if the conditions are kept and threatens curses if the conditions are broken. So, help our listeners. Take some key thoughts from those definitions and just 
what should they walk away as as their bullet points of what is essential in understanding covenant? Well, I think in that last definition of, of service, I think it's helpful because in the scriptures we'll read that there are some covenants that are based upon the law, do this and you will live. And then there are other covenants that are simply rooted in God's promise. Now, all of this is rooted in God's eternal covenant of redemption, but as they express themselves or are administered, some of them are going to be based on laws, the blessings or and the curses. And then some of them are just going to be rooted specifically in grace uh, only. Well, I think, you know, Back to O. Palmer Robertson when he's when he's talking about it's a bond in blood sovereignly administered. There's three parts to it. It's a bond, and this is the and this makes this is the way this is the nature of it. It binds people together. It binds God and His people, and it's inviolable. It's an inviolable bond. You know, there's something there's something that makes it stick. It's this bond, and then the very fact that the next part of it is that it's a, a covenant is a bond in blood and that also expresses the life and death reality of this the ultimacy of how important it is this covenant between god and man and so by by saying it's a bond in blood it also it, we're reminded uh, of you know what ryan said the other day this is the covenant in my blood you know for the remission of your sins so it's so important. And then it's sovereignly administered, and you can't get it apart from the fact that God is the one that initiates the covenant. I think that's probably the greatest comfort in, in these definitions is knowing that God is the one who's taken the initiative. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. It's so good to be with you again. And once again, we'll just encourage you to go to ReformationBoise.com and register for the upcoming conference. See you tomorrow. <laughs>